0: Great to, great to see everyone this morning after a week away. Last week we were at Catalyst Festival camping. It was uh, the first time me and my family have been under canvas, and we survived. Despite, um, despite a, a Saturday night thunderstorm of epic proportions, um, we had maybe two drips through our canvas, but other than that, we survived. Wasn't it great to worship together this morning? Great, just to enjoy the presence of God, and you know, God speaks to us in so many ways. He's always he's a communicative God. That's who He is. He, he's an outward going communicative God. He wants to make Himself known, and He's always seeking to speak to us. And there was a, a moment in worship which I felt God really speak to me, which was as we were being quiet, and there was a voice from a little one saying, "Hallelujah, Hallelujah." And it reminded me of something Jesus said in Matthew 21 and verse um, from verse 16. And uh, it was at a time where there, there were some people quite indignant towards some little ones who were calling out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Something very similar to what our little one was saying. And Jesus said to them, uh, Have you not read, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies... You have prepared praise. That moment was a moment that delighted God. You know, it can sometimes feel like, is that a moment of just, you know, um, child just getting caught up in the moment, just copying what they see? Actually, God has ordained praise in the mouths of little ones. And so it brings delight to his heart and we're encouraged to become more like children, not less like children. And so that was a wonderful moment and it was great to worship together. I'm going to um, continue a, a, a mini series we've been in over the last three times we've been together, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, um, and so we started with Lucy talking to us about the person of the Holy Spirit, who who He is. Um, the Holy Spirit is not a force; is not an in, an impersonal thing. It, it, the Holy Spirit is not a, an emotion or a psychological state or an experience. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of God, and and Lucy spoke to us about that so well, and then Adrian talk to us about what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. And so those are two talks you can find online, and I'd encourage you to to listen to them. We're going to, today, look at some of the gifts the Holy Spirit likes to give us, spiritual gifts. But before we do, let's have a a brief recap on where we've got to so far. So who is the giver of the gifts? Uh, Well, the Holy Spirit is described in John's Gospel um, as another advocate Um, Lucy quoted Luther, who said he's like another Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He's the Spirit of the Son, it says in Galatians. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper, our advocate. He works on our behalf and when we meet with the Holy Spirit, we meet with God. The Holy Spirit loves to lead us into truth to see more of who Jesus is. And Jesus says, When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's this wonderful Trinitarian um, reality of Father, Son, Holy Spirit that we get to know in the persons of the Trinity. So he's another advocate. And Adrian spoke to us about what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit l- comes over us. He described it as being like a wave. Um, so when you're standing in the sea, I don't know about you. I, I've um, done a bit of surfing in my time, and um, so and when a big wave comes, I tend to think, "Yep, this one's for me." And it comes over, and oftentimes it knocks me right off my feet. And I didn't get up on the surfboard in the first place, but it knocked me all over. And an agent described it as a bit like a wave. You can get consumed with the Holy Spirit in the sense of He wants to overwhelm us with the reality of who He is and what He does. And what He does is to bring a sense of identity consumed with the fact that um, God has offered us Jesus, his son, for free and by simply saying yes to him, we become children of God, united to the son. That's our identity. However you feel, whatever your performance has been, doesn't change that identity. Um, The Holy Spirit loves to bring us into freedom, so consumed by freedom. Uh, The Christian life is not about shackled living. It's not about Um, having to live up to certain expectations or perform certain tasks. It's about enjoying the freedom of being a child of God in relationship with him. And of course, the more you get to know him, the more you want him, and the less you want anything that's not of him. Uh, The Holy Spirit loves to consume us, therefore, with Jesus. We get consumed by our identity, by freedom, and we get consumed with Jesus because he is the very bread of life. He is the pearl of great price. He is the treasure worth selling everything for. He is the Father's gift to us. So the Spirit loves to lead us into truth, and we'll look at that again in a minute. And the Spirit uh, leads us also into adventure, consumes us for adventure. Christian life's not boring, it's exciting. We've been singing about kingdom come. We've been singing that that line, um, we are the church, we are the hope on earth. And, and it's easy to look around and say, really? We, we are the hope on earth? Um, actually, yes. Not because of anything particularly impressive about us, but because we have a great God who loves to work through us and has positioned us in all those different places so that, as Claire so helpfully pointed out, all it, all it really requires is a mustard seed of faith. Just that, that, that response of, yes, please, Lord, I, I want to go on this adventure with you, and he does all the rest. It's his work within us. So that's where we've been. And today we're going to look at spiritual gifts. But I just wanted to make a few points before we get to um, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and that is just to, to look at the work of the Holy Spirit and to understand something. that The, the Spirit um, works through His Word. And sometimes we can talk about Word and Spirit as if they're two Separate things, but actually they're absolutely inseparable and completely joined. Um, Some things in life are always coming together. For example, Mike Blaber and Cake. Those two things come together. They're inseparable. Uh, An England World Cup experience and disappointment. Those things are, I'm afraid, that comes together to prepare for it. Um, The sun, light and heat. You can't separate those. They come together. And on a day like today, we get to enjoy that. Um, the Word and the Spirit are inseparable. We must not think of them as if they're somehow in competition. We want a bit of Spirit now and a bit of Word now. No, that's not how it works. The, the Word is described as the sword of the Spirit. And so in the very beginning, God spoke all creation into being And the Spirit hovered over the waters. And as the Word and the Spirit went out, everything came into being. And beauty and light and life was created. And then in the beginning of John's Gospel, Jesus is described as the Word of God. The Word made flesh. Jesus is the message of God. He's the communication of God. Want to know what God's like? Look to Jesus. And Jesus is full of the Spirit. He's the Christ. Christ means anointed one, full of the Spirit. So the Word and the Spirit always work together. And so whenever we're in a a moment of of singing truth, doctrines like we've been singing today in our worship, the Spirit works through that and we find ourselves responding in faith. And when we hear the Bible preached, that's a moment to meet with the Holy Spirit because as the Word goes out, he turns our hearts to see more of Jesus. So they're not inseparable. They always come together. Um, Can we go to the next point, please? I should say... um, This is going to feel slightly more like a seminar than a uh, kind of preach today. Okay, so just uh, buckle down, and uh, it will be fun. Um. (laughs) The um, the work of the Spirit through the Word is always is always to lead us into all truth. It talks about that in in John chapter sixteen, verses twelve to fifteen. That the work of the Spirit is that He leads us into all truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So the work work of the Spirit is to glorify Christ, which is why in that passage in in John's Gospel, Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, he will make known to you what is mine. Um, He unites us to Christ so we understand what a gift we have in Jesus given by the Father. So the Spirit is always concerned in glorifying Christ. Okay, okay. Um, Just as Jesus lived to bring glory to the Father, so the Holy Spirit brings glory to Christ as we understand who he is. Again, it's this self-giving nature of God, always communicative. Um, Next point, please. And the Holy Spirit works also to convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, What does that mean? The Holy Spirit helps us to see, actually before God, we are very needy. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that before God, we have been given righteousness in Christ, a way to come. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that judgment, therefore, is nothing to be feared for those who trust in Jesus, because judgment is God setting the world to right. And it's a wonderful thing to embrace. And through Christ and his work on the cross, God is going to set the world to rights, so that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. And when God sets the world to rights, we start to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a kingdom full of love and justice and truth and goodness. It's something we all actually want. We want it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, is to help us to see that. And in Galatians 5, it says that the Spirit produces within us fruit. Okay? So what he does is he turns our hearts as we hear about Jesus so that we want him. The Spirit uncurves us. Naturally, we're curved in on ourselves. And the Spirit, a bit like as the word is preached and the Spirit comes, it's a bit like the sun that shines its light and its warmth. Imagine a, a sunflower curved in on itself, and the, the sun shines and it uncurves towards that which it's meant to soak up in basking. Well, that's what the spirit does in our lives. It uncurves us as we hear the truth and the message of Jesus so that we're able to say, Oh, he is good. He is good. He's worth selling everything for. Oh, I'd rather uh, be a, have one day with him than a thousand elsewhere. Nothing compares to knowing him. And as you love him, you start to become more like him. We become like the ones that we love. Shared this at a wedding yesterday. Now, um, when, I, when I married Becca, she accepted me as I was with all of my fashion flaws. Eleven years on, I think I'm quite stylish. And... <laughs> That's much to do with her and very little to do with me because you become like the one who you love. The the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus as we see him more and love him more and desire him more. And so we start to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and goodness. Uh, Maybe I've left some out. Um, So that's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, good gifts, okay? Why all of that backdrop? Because our desire is that Oasis Church be more consumed with the giver than the gifts, okay? Jesus is the gift of God to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. The son of God has been given to all. He is the gift. He is the gift. And along with him, God graciously gives us other really good gifts, including spiritual gifts that we get to um, exercise and enjoy for the good of others. But don't lose sight of Jesus. He's the gift, okay? Um, So, yeah, so basically, um, the gifts that he gives us reflect the giver, and that's the whole point I'm trying to make there. Um, Jesus is the gift. And every gift that he gives us in terms of spiritual gifts reflects what he's like. And the Holy Spirit is always seeking to glorify Jesus. And so spiritual gifts will always seek to glorify Jesus. Okay. Let's look at what that specifically looks like. So in 1 Corinthians, from, verse, from chapter 12 to chapter 14, there's a whole kind of section there which is um, dedicated to spiritual gifts, Ways in which the Holy Spirit equips us and and gives us supernatural gifts to benefit one another. And uh, within that, towards the beginning, it lists those different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Gifts of wisdom, words of knowledge. That's when we understand something about a situation or someone that we wouldn't otherwise know but that God tells us about. Gifts of faith, gifts of healing. We believe God heals today. believe God loves to heal today. I believe he's a God of miracles. I believe there's something that happens when miracles occur. It helps us to understand, okay, we're not on our own. And, and we, we see something of heaven breaking out on earth, and we get a picture of what it's going to be like. That's really what miracles are signs. They're often called signs, and a sign points you to something. And so miracles are signs which points us to the new creation. This is what it looks like when Jesus is Lord. There's no more sickness and no more suffering and no more sadness and no more death. So miracles point to, oh, that's what it's going to look like when Jesus is Lord. Yes, please. So it doesn't mean that we're always going to be healed every time we're sick, but it means we always ask God for that good gift, knowing that actually he loves to give us signs that point towards what's to come, the new creation in him. Um, prophecy, another gift of the Spirit. That's what we're going to major on. In fact, that's, that's what we're going to speak on from this point on. Okay? Um, distinguishing spirits, tongues, which is languages and interpretation. Um, we would need to do a whole series on all of those things to cover them adequately. And and Paul's very clear in the letter to the Corinthians, of all of those, he would rather you prophesy. Okay? And we're gonna look therefore a little bit into what prophecy is and how we enjoy that here and now. So, that okay? That's where we're going. So if we go to the next slide, please, Danielle, that's great. So <coughs> in one Corinthians fourteen, verse one. Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, so there are gifts to be desired, especially that you may prophesy, especially that you may prophesy. So what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is a word from God that comes to us that makes him known and makes known and reveals something of his plans and purposes. That's what prophecy is. It's, it's God's word that comes to us to, to make known something about him and about his plans and his purposes. So in the, in the old covenant, that works slightly differently to what it looks like now. By old covenant, I mean before Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again. And new covenant is after that, that, that finished work of God. And so if you looked at the kind of first two-thirds of your Bible, you will see lots of prophets, and they function in such a way as that the Holy Spirit comes upon them and kind of puts words in their mouth for them to speak as the very words of God. And so the revelation comes with authority as scripture. So in Jeremiah 1.9, it says, God says, I have put my words in your mouth, okay? Or Exodus 4.12, God promises Moses to teach him what to say, and then Aaron speaks it on his behalf. Ezekiel 2.7, you must speak my words to them. So in that setting, God's word comes to people, and it's like they're the very mouthpiece of God. A bit like you know, when you might see outside a courtroom someone reading a statement on behalf of another, and it's their words; it's just someone else is giving those words. It's, it, it's entirely accurate. And so in the Old Testament prophetic books, it often starts with, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, Joel, Micah, Zephaniah, Jonah. The very word of the Lord that comes. A direct, exact revelation with the authority of Scripture. And it's not all about predicting the future. You know, prophecy is not fortune telling, it's primarily about revealing God. This is who your God is, and this is who he is for you. Come to him. Come to him. These are his plans and purposes. And so, because because that's the way it came, actually, in the old covenant, it it came with authority and also with penalty for someone to claim to be a prophet, but in the end, they're not. And so, uh, there was a a kind of weightiness about it. And then, Jesus comes, and with Jesus comes a new covenant, as it were, a, a new age, and a new age for the prophetic within that. At the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. The um, prophecy spoken in Joel 2 has been fulfilled in him. This happened in in the day of Pentecost. Peter, in Acts 2.17, says, quotes from Joel, the prophet Joel from the Old Testament, where it says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Because of the work of Jesus, the Son of God, given to us as a free gift, He has fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf, so that we get to come to God as sons and daughters in Christ, covered in Christ, clothed in Christ. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. And he sent another advocate, as it were, another Christ, the Holy Spirit, to communicate who he is and what he does for us in the fullness we have in him. And so now, believers are called temples of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16. The the Holy Spirit lives within us. And the effect of that is he, he changes our desires so that we desire God more and more and more. And... He, he speaks to us, and he gives us gifts. Okay, so that's how we got to where we are. So what about then the gift of prophecy itself? Well, the gift is a gift to be desired. Spiritual gifts are to be desired. Paul's really clear about that. This is, they're a good thing. A gift is a good thing. Put your hand up if you like gifts. Yeah, I like I like gifts really like gifts, and thanks, Matt likes gifts as well. Um, they're a good thing to be desired, and so we should earnestly seek them, and we're encouraged to do that in a childlike way. Yes, please, Lord, I'd like a gift, and he loves to give good gifts to us. And also, the exercise of the gifts are a gift to be offered, not a, not a, um, a spiritual hammer, but a spiritual gift. So, when you feel that actually God has spoken to me, a word for someone or for a group of people, you offer it as a gift. You don't force it upon them. You offer it as a gift to be enjoyed. John Piper says, if you sense you have something for somebody, offer it to them as a gift. Do not thrust it upon them as a demand. Okay. It's a gift. A gift that will reveal something of Jesus. And that's important because actually it, Otherwise, it can be abused. Um, prophecy can be abused. And we need to be aware of that. And, and actually, that's been the case since, since the beginning of the, of the church. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul, say, Paul says, Do not quench the Spirit and do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from any form of evil. So, clearly there was the potential to despise prophecies. Most likely because there's the potential for abuse of that. Um, we don't force something upon someone um, in a way that says, you must hear me because I've got the word of God and I know what, what God is saying in this particular situation, which is why you don't go up to a, someone you're dating and say, God's told me you're going to be my wife or someone you want to date or something like that. that that's abuse. That's abuse. So we offer prophecy as a gift. We don't force it upon someone as a demand. So what is the essential characteristic of prophecy, then? Could we go to the next slide, Daniel? Well, there are certain hallmarks of prophecy which help us to know, actually, this sounds like something that's come from God. So we're just going to do a quick run-through from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 to see that. So... 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking of the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always works to glorify Jesus. That's that's the first and most important thing. It's It's a common spirit who always works to make much of him. The reason that's important is that I think we should be nervous when a ministry has as its main title, a person's name, and it's all about that person rather than Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit always seeks to glorify Jesus. He is God's gift to us. And so we don't make much of ourselves. In a sense, we don't make much of a, of, of a prophet. It's why John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man to, born of woman ever to have lived... He got this and said, well, I must decrease. He must increase. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. And so the Holy Spirit will always seek to glorify Jesus. And so we want to recognize, yep, that's the hallmark of the Holy Spirit. If something's making much of Jesus, then that sounds like that's of God. The work of spiritual gifts is always for the common good. It's always for the common good to build us up to build up the people of God, the church. That's what the Spirit does. That's how he works. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then Paul goes on to talk about the church being a body. There's an eye, there's an ear. You're not all an eye. Good job. That would be weird. You're not all an ear. Good job. That would be weird. You've got lots of different parts all making up one body and we serve one another, and we don't all have to be an I. So don't look at someone else and say, I'm not like them, therefore I'm not as important as them. No, you're, you're, you're ever so important. You're part of the body. You've got a specific part to play. Use your gifts to build up the body, to build up the whole, for the common good. That's what spiritual gifts are for. They're not self-serving. They're to serve others. Next point. Love is central to the spiritual gifts. This is really key. This is really important. In this whole section of Corinthians, chapter 12 to chapter 14, sandwiched right in the middle, is one of the most famous parts of the Bible where Paul starts talking about love. He he says, well, you could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you have not love, it's just a clanging symbol. You know, it's not very pleasant. It doesn't do anyone any good. You kind of want to pull away from that. So... The, the hallmark of prophecy is that it should be marked by love, the love of God for us, but also love for one another. So what should prophecy look like? Well, it, in that sense, it should look like patience and kindness and not being easily angered and rejoicing in the truth and not in falsehood. Um, all those things we read about in 1 Corinthians 13 about love, that's thats essential to the whole hallmark of prophecy and what it is and how God speaks to us why because God is love of course prophecy is going to look like love because God is love and of course the gift looks like the giver that's the way it works you know when when, um, when Ivy gives me a gift it looks very different to when Becca gives me a gift Becca will often knit me something that's really good because that's what she likes and the gift looks like the giver and Ivy gives me a daisy and that's a great gift the gift looks like the, di- the giver. So, of course, the gift looks like the giver, and, and he's the giver, and God is love. And so love's going to be central to it, it's going to produce faith and hope and love which we see, oh, that's who you are, God. Yes, I want you. Of course I want you. I was made for you. Yes. Augustine says our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Jesus, because we were made for him. Yes. And so, of course, of course it's going to reflect the giver. N- next point, please. Yeah, the purpose is to build up, encourage, and comfort. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 to 4, it says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Okay, so that's the whole point of the prophetic. To to build up, to encourage. How? By showing more of Jesus and who he is and and, and perhaps what he's wanting to do for you specifically and perhaps some of his plans and purposes. But it will be all about him because that's going to build you up, built up into Christ and to strengthen him. The hallmark of prophecy is it does that. Can you go to the next slide, please? Yeah. Building up the church is an ambition to be pursued. That's a really good thing. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. Okay? Uh, There can be a tendency towards self-centered spirituality that wants a, a manifestation to make me feel a certain way or have a certain psychological experience or something like that. And God loves to meet with us. And when God meets with us, it often does affect our emotions and our states of mind, etc., But Paul is saying, if you you want to know the manifestation of the Spirit, well, especially excel in something that's going to build up the church, build up others, because God is always other-centered. That's the nature of who he is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, delighting in one another, delighting in us, drawing us in, so that we may delight in one another, and delight in those not yet part of us, but certainly invited in. Okay. Prophecy always needs weighing. We prophesy in part... Um, We don't prophesy like the old covenant prophets. It's not, thus saith the Lord. It's that we actually, the the modeling throughout the New Testament is maybe we're sensing God is saying something, we offer it as a gift, and we weigh that. What do you think? Does that that glorify Jesus? Is that encouraging? Is that comforting? Is it consoling? Is it building you up within the church? No, God is never going to say to someone, um, just give up on church now. Don't go to any church. Don't be part of a community of God. Just be on your own. That's not a word from God. It's not a word from God because he's always seeking to build the church. And so weigh the prophetic. Weigh it with one another, which means we need to have good friends that we can do that with, which is why you should be part of a small group. And if you want to be, come and speak to me afterwards. You are in control of delivering prophecy. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets, which means that it's not the case that you're going to get carried away in a moment and have no control over it and simply must be heard that's just just not the way it works that's just not what the bible says about the prophetic so it's not a personal agenda and it's not a case of god has given this to me i have to bring it now no that's, that's that's not how god works with this it's a gift to be offered and so you weigh it And you say, is this the right time? Perhaps it's not the right time. Perhaps God has spoken to me, but perhaps this is not the right time. God is able to make his voice heard at the right time. So we just wait upon him for that. It's not a personal agenda. Got to to be clear on that. Timing is important. And we test everything because we prophesy in parts. Okay, so in summary, prophecy is not primarily about you. Not primarily about you. Of course, when you hear from God, that's really exciting. And it, and it is a really great thing to happen. I, I've experienced that. God speaks to me, and I've give, brought a prophetic word, and it's been right. And it's like, "Wow, I've heard from God. That's really exciting. It's a wonderful thing. But, but it's not primarily about having that experience. It's primarily about building up others. So it's a gift to be offered to others. It's not a right to be heard. It's not serving personal ambition or spirituality. It doesn't create confusion, but peace. Paul says that again at the end of 1 Corinthians 14. It's not kept being carried away in an emotional experience. Now sometimes when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it does cause all sorts of emotions and it can cause your voice, therefore, to, to, to sound slightly differently because of the emotion of it. But that's not necessarily the case. So you don't have to do that every time if that's actually not what's going on at the moment. it's not more spiritual if you do a particular voice and less spiritual if you just do your normal voice, okay? Because actually, it's it's God's word that we're wanting to hear. It's God's word we're wanting to hear. And it's not a personality thing, and prophecy is not authoritative like scripture. But prophecy is a good gift to be easily desired. It is for others to build up the church. It is bringing attention to Jesus. It encourages faith and hope and love. It's to be weighed with others. We're we're brought into a community, so we get to weigh this thing together, and God speaks to all of us. It is partial. We don't come with, thus saith the Lord. We come with, I think God's saying this, actually. I really believe that. I'm going to offer it to you as a gift. What do you think? Um, And it is always in submission to and partnership with Scripture. This is the Word of God. Some of you might sometimes find yourself like me, saying, I really want God to speak to me. I really pray God speaks to me. He has. He's spoken to you here. This is given to you. And through it, you'll see Jesus. And he's the best gift ever. And he's for you. Even you today, maybe you don't yet know Jesus. Can I just say, he's for you. God so loved the world. Are you part of the world? Yes, you are. That he gave his only son. That Whoever believes, what does that mean? Simply, I see you, I want you, will not perish, but have eternal life. Just going to finish by um, playing a video, and um, this is a prophecy that was brought over us as a church at the Catalyst Festival. Um, a, one of the one of the guys who leads the Catalyst movement, in fact, he kind of he kind of initiated it, and then he's passed it over to someone called Simon Holly, who we love very much. This guy, David Devenish, spoke at the last day of the conference. So there was thousands of people there. And he felt that God had given him a prophetic word for two churches. And he felt he'd given God had given him a prophetic word for Oasis Church. So this is a word from God for us. And those of us who were there weighed it, feel like, yeah, this it does seem like this is from God. And so this is exciting. And so want to receive it as a gift and enable it to encourage us in our faith with, in God. So we're going to play that now. Have, just listen to this, and then we'll pray afterwards.
1: Oasis Church, Birmingham. If you're from there, can you stand, please? Just be open. Because God is saying to you, it's a time of stepping up. It's a time of stepping up into the increased purposes that God is now giving you. A combination of the change in your circumstances is in words of knowledge, these are things I know. And the period of suffering are together producing a time where now you are to step up in faith for what God is going to use you for. Okay? Because it's stepping up to believe God for influence. It's stepping up to believe God for harvest. It's stepping up to believe God that as you've sown seeds in particular sectors of society, you will not only reap there, but you'll reap in other sectors of society as well. Those who serve the poor often reap in many other sectors of life. And God's going to bless you as you've served the poor. God is going to bless you with influence elsewhere as well. He's saying, prepare for it. Step up in faith. Step up in releasing more people into leadership. Because I feel you need the workers in the harvest. Ask, if they don't think there are men enough of them, ask for them. That's what Jesus said. Because it's a time to step up. It's a time to get ready for what God is going to reproduce from all you've done over the years. God bless you as you do that.
0: Sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Do you know what excited me so much about that? It was a reminder again, Oasis Church, God knows you and he loves you and you are in his plans and in his purposes and he's calling you to step up not by trying really hard but by entering into all that Jesus is for you and and, and, and getting ready for the plans and purposes he has. So there may be some of you who think, I want to step up. I want to step up into areas of leadership. I want to believe God for influence. Well, let's, let's do this together. Let's speak about what that can look like, okay? God has good plans and purposes for us, Oasis Church. And it was wonderful to hear a prophetic word that says, yep, there's a season coming of stepping up. God knows what we've been through. it has been a hard 12, 18 months, and he's carried us and he's been faithful, and he's been good, and he's preparing us for fruitfulness as we treasure Jesus together, as we build one another up, as we play our parts and go with our mustard seeds of faith and say, God, please, would you make it grow? And he will. He's faithful. Okay. I'm going to finish by praying. Why don't you close your eyes? (laughs) <laughs> Father God I want to thank you that you are so for us Jesus I thank you in our weakness you are strong and I thank you that it is in your very nature to give thank you you're the giving God you give yourself away we sung that thank you that's the, that's the gospel that when we said no you said yes to us You gave yourself away for us, and you are going to undo every wrong and right it in Jesus' name. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you. It says in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12 that we don't have a mute God. We have a God that speaks to us. Thank you that, Jesus, you're alive and your word goes forth through the Bible. Thank you that we hear you speak to us through creation. Thank you we hear you speak to us through one another. Thank you that We hear you speak to us through gifts which are distributed. Lord, we hear that prophetic word that was brought over us as a church. In many ways, having a word over us as a people is even more exciting than having words over us as individuals. We're all in this together. This is something for us to enjoy together, to share. God, we say yes to that word. We want to step up in faith and say yes to all your plans and purposes. Would you give us wisdom to know what it looks like to step up into that. Influence in our places of work, in our places of, of community. Influence in our schools and our universities. For Lord, many coming in and coming to know you, a harvest of the lost being found. We ask it, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Can I encourage you in small groups this week to practice prophecy, to um, have that opportunity to prophesy over one another, to hear from God and to enjoy him. We're going to finish there. Thanks.